Hi, I'm Rebecca Cohen. And I'm Maya Grants. And this is The Sauce, the culture and politics podcast where we drink cocktails and ruin the stuff you love. And today we're going to ruin Dark Brandon. No, Dark Brandon is going to ruin everything <laughs> for the Republican. That's right. Okay, listeners, um, you may or may not know who or what Dark Brandon is. We're going to explain all of that. Before we get into any of that, uh, we got to catch up with each other. So, Maya, how are you doing and what are you drinking? I am overwhelmed by all the things that need to happen in the next few days because I'm about to go to Georgia for a residency. Oh, wow. And many, 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 many things need to happen before I leave, uh, involving my kids starting middle school and getting the house ready for some renovation and getting a project off to where it has to go. So I have a lot that has to happen in the next five days. Is this a residency you've known about for a while and have been planning? It is. It is a residency in rural Georgia uh, called the Hambidge Center. And it's just out in the middle of nowhere. And I'm going to be there in the silence for two weeks. That's very exciting. I'm excited. So before you can get a room of one's own to make your art, you have to like get everyone else's room sorted. I understand. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the way of life. What are you drinking? I'm just drinking tea because I have to be up and clever. Last night I did in honor of the FBI search warrant on Mar-a-Lago. I had like an drink and I just <laughs> felt so shitty this morning. And I'm oh, like, no. man. What's wrong with you? I know. I know. I have to just No, get it's that. an actual question. What's wrong no, with you? <laughs> I'm getting older and alcohol doesn't just One suit drink. Me Maya, it's like the whole premise of our show. We I can't know. just be having tea every time. No. Well, what about you? How are you doing? What are you drinking? Well, let's see. Um, you may recall last time we spoke, we talked about how my um, sense of smell was only about 75% back. And though, although I can pretty much taste food and, and function like a normal person, uh, I wouldn't be going to any wine tastings. That was not true. I went to some wine tastings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Miss, I'm not going to drink. I just want to get so much better. I just want to be so better. I just want to be better. And um, it probably was a terrible idea. But we were up in Connecticut. Matt and I drove up to Connecticut to visit his mom, which was a lovely trip. And it was my birthday. And I don't know if you're aware, but there's what they call the Connecticut Wine Trail. Which I know. First of all, <laughs> happy birthday, Rebecca. Oh, thank you. I'm thank really you. bad with birthdays. What is the actual day of your birthday? August 1st. When is your birthday? I don't even know. February 18th. Okay. I'm never going to remember that, but no, I'm drop me some hints birthdays. along I, the way. No, so I don't. See, I don't care about birthdays, and my husband really does, and it's definitely oh. a point of tension between us because I really don't give a shit. Maybe this is a separate bonus episode we should do sometime, but I was thinking about it in the wake of my birthday and how great birthdays are and what a <laughs> lovely little cultural tradition it is to have a day where each person gets a day where that's their day and every year you celebrate the anniversary of their existence. I think that's really nice. I think I could totally ruin birthdays and I'm <laughs> super ready to do it. All right. Another okay, time. So you went, Another so you time. went on the Connecticut wine trail. 
Yeah, I mean, sort of. There were a couple of wineries near where Matt's mom lives. And um, the wine was wine, technically. And we drank it. And I love a tasting of any kind, particularly any kind of alcohol tasting. I will say this about the Connecticut wines. They were well suited to my limited ability to fully appreciate <laughs> wines. Like, I don't feel like I was missing a lot by not being able to smell completely. Uh, but I had a great time. Um, but tonight I am not, I am just drinking root beer, not wine. Cause I didn't want to open a whole bottle. Cause then you have to drink a whole fucking bottle. And I am still getting really bad headaches when I drink cocktails yeah, weirdly, the wine didn't give me headaches. Hmm. So theoretically, I could drink that. But like I said, I didn't want to open the whole bottle. So I'm just drinking root beer. Forgive me, listeners. I feel so I feel guilty. I'm letting the people down. Oh, oh, it's really okay. It's <laughs> really okay. So um, I do want to share some feedback from our listeners. Uh, specifically about Top Gun Maverick, because this really delighted me and made me laugh. Uh, J.P. Kelly wrote, can we talk about the mission itself? They kept saying it was impossible, but I was waiting for one of the blonde male students to say, it's not impossible. I used to bullseye womp rats in my T-16 back home. They're not much bigger than two meters. Very Seriously. Nice. I don't remember if we even talked about all of the sort of Star Wars intentional or unintentional references in Top Gun Maverick. Did I we think we that? just, we did because I remember having a long conversation with Matt about how the whole dropping a thing into a thing. Oh yeah, I know. Like the whole thing. plot was exactly that as JP seems to be pointing out. Like yes. that, that was the mission was to destroy the Death Star. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Thank you, JP. That's a really good point. Also, I've just really been enjoying uh, just celebrating things with our listeners like Alex Jones having to pay $50 million uh, in <laughs> punitive and defamatory damages and the raid on Mar-a-Lago. And I just felt actually like when the news was released that the FBI had conducted a search warrant on Mar-a-Lago, I immediately went to the Discord and I really wished that we had all been together to celebrate. I just felt like <laughs> it was for us. It was for right. us. It's like a gift. A gift from Dark Brandon. A, <laughs> a gift from Dark Brandon to the listeners of the sauce, to the patrons of the sauce. Yes. So, uh, if he you looks would, out for us. He does look out for us, and specifically us. So if you would like to join <laughs> this group of people who are getting cared for and watched out for by Dark Brandon, uh, go to patreon.com slash sauce podcast. Come and meet us on the Sauce Speak Easy, uh, where we celebrate when horrible things happen to horrible people. All hail Dark Brandon. <laughs> bow down. Bow, bow down. down. We, we bow down before him. So... <gasps> So, such delightful things have happened this week and the past couple weeks, really. It's been a great couple of weeks. And there's a way that like a lot of these things that happen that aren't specifically related to Joe Biden, it's like he just gets all this reflected glory. It's almost like like Beyonce's album is just part of it. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> well, it, it's it's like it's kind of like the opposite of Thanks, Obama, where 
anything bad that happens that has nothing to do with Obama. You're like, I stubbed my toe. Thanks, Obama. This right, is like right. the opposite of that. Like, Beyonce dropped a new album. <laughs> thank you, Biden. Yes. <laughs> like, actually, thank you. Dark Brandon. Dark Brandon. Thank, thank you. You, you made Brandon. it happen. You made it happen. All right. I want to explain what Dark Brandon is for those who may not know. Well, let us begin by just saying it is a meme. It is a series of memes. It is yes. a, a um, category of meme. Yes. So let's talk about what the fuck Dark Brandon is. First of all, the, the term Dark Brandon is being used to describe a series of memes, a sort of loose category of memes in which uh, Joe Biden is portrayed as some kind of super powerful, often supernaturally powerful dictator who punishes his enemies. I wouldn't say dictator like superhero. Superhero well, in a that, lot of ways. It all depends on your point of view, doesn't it? Well, that's it? true. That's true. That's <laughs> but, true. But the point is that he's exceptionally powerful and punishes his enemies with uh, no compunction or remorse. With and, Also with their laser eyes involved. Yeah, does whatever the fuck he wants to do. They're, yeah. They're, okay. So why is it called Dark Brand and all this? It goes back to... The phrase, let's go, Brandon, which started almost a year ago, like late 2021. There was a NASCAR guy, Brandon Brown, being interviewed, and the crowd was chanting, fuck Joe Biden, Mm -hmm. which at the time, apparently at sporting events in certain places was a common occurrence. The crowd would get into a chance of fuck Joe Biden. And while Brandon Brown was being interviewed, the uh, sports reporter, the commentator, tried to pass it off as if they were saying, let's go, Brandon. I didn't know that that's what that was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the clip went viral of this guy saying, oh, the crowd is saying, let's go, Brandon, when clearly they were saying, fuck Joe Biden. And so MAGA World picked that up as this delightfully fun code for them. And they made T-shirts and hats and flags. In fact, when we were just in Connecticut... Last week, we drove by a house that had a Trump flag and a Let's Go Brandon flag. When I was in North Carolina in February, there was a giant gun superstore slash shooting range, and they had a giant Let's Go Brandon uh, flag on the outside. So the big joke is that uh, Congress people and all, all, you know, television personalities and people who normally would never use the F word or say something so crass can say, let's go, Brandon, wink, wink. And everybody knows they're really saying, fuck Joe Biden. And then also at one point, Biden was asked about it. There was some public event and he was like, yeah, let's go, Brandon. Like he didn't know what it was. Yeah, and so know. that's also so part of it. Har har, that guy. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So earlier this year, the dirtbag left started making memes that were kind of a takeoff on the Let's Go Brandon thing that they were calling Dark Brandon. And these memes were often depicting Joe Biden just like doing horrible things. Like they photoshopped a, a gun in his hand. So it looks like he's pointing a gun into an old lady's mouth and stuff like that. <laughs> They're just like depicting Joe Biden as depraved and then also depicting him as this incredibly powerful leader dictator uh, and uh, the the use of brandon to mean biden i think was actually started by um chapo trap house oh okay i'm not sure if they actually started it but they definitely kind of uh, spread it they use it derogatively yes in their own <laughs> way right yes. because 
they are feeling such despair at, you know, the non-response to the overturning of Roe and the overall feeling of Biden's complete, like, ineffectiveness, inefficacy. Yes. The, and yes. that yeah, he is a centrist shill who uh, is going to support the status quo ad infinitum. Is that how you say ad it? Ad infinitum, yeah. Ad forever, he will <laughs> he will support the status quo. And in their despair, they make this series of memes uh, imagining him as this ruthlessly effective advocate for all right. the things they would wish for. Right. And then that kind of got picked up by the more mainstream liberal left. The people that Chapo Trap House would call liberals or even neoliberals. Uh-huh. And people started uh, spreading memes. Yeah, Biden with glowing laser eyes, uh, including like a lot of like, I've got no time for your malarkey kind yeah. of captions and things like that. Right. And more straightforwardly actually kind of celebrating Biden rather than this deeply cynical, ironic approach where it's um, a complete parody. And then... This uh, particular series of illustrations became involved, which I think is really interesting. On Weibo, which is kind of like, uh, it's basically Chinese, Chinese Twitter. Chinese Twitter, yeah. Yeah. An artist called Yang Quan posted these images of, like, illustration images of Biden sitting on a throne like the throne from Game of oh, Thrones. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The Iron Throne, except it's got like AK-47s instead of swords. And he's got glowing laser eyes and he's surrounded by zombies. And apparently the zombies have Chinese writing on their foreheads that say public intellectual, which is what Chinese conservatives, it's a term they use to talk about critics of the establishment. Oh, yeah. Okay. So like there's a whole thing going on there where I'm like, I don't know what that thing that that artist posted actually means or is supposed to mean. But uh, that was posted in 2020. But then earlier this year, just a few months ago, it got noticed. Someone posted it on Reddit and like the same day posted it on um, Twitter and was like, wow, this Chinese propaganda is making Biden a villain but it's just making him look metal as fuck. Right. Right. And and then that became one of the main visual uh, elements of the meme. It became one of the main images that is used in the Dark Brandon memes is this cartoon version of Biden with the laser eyes sitting on this iron throne. Right. Which I just think is an, an interesting phenomenon. And I don't know enough about Chinese memeing. Right. <laughs> To right. say what the original actually was from, it, some people say it's Chinese propaganda, but that's not confirmed. It might just be one artist. But that is the image that then the White House Director of Digital Strategy posted on Twitter. That Chinese glowing eyes yeah. cartoon. Yes. And I don't remember the exact words of the tweet, but it was something like... Dark Brandon has had a monster week or something. Right, 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 right. A hell of a week. And Senator Chris Murphy also posted a Dark Brandon meme in recent days. And so have like press people from State Department and and other executive branches. So um, it's it's like 
as mainstreamed as you can get there, they have embraced it. It has gone essentially from fuck Joe Biden to to a deliberate embrace and appropriation. Right. From fuck Joe Biden from the right via, oh, you know, dirtbag left, like he's the worst centrist, he can't get anything done, to actually... He's crazy like a fox. Like you right. think that he's this kind of. That's one of the descriptions I read. There was an article about it, uh, and it said uh, it's been fashioned into a boast depicting Biden playing five dimensional chess, a master of the political dark arts. <laughs> and, and that's something right. that it's funny because that's something that people were always saying about Trump. Like, oh, yeah, Trump, he's he's playing five-dimensional chess. You're like, I don't right, really no, think so. But really, yeah. that's what we're uh, in this moment where after what has felt like a stretch of quiet despair, it feels like things are happening. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Good, oh, good shit. Things good things might things are happening. Be happening. So before we get into those good things that are happening, I think it's actually really important to take a moment uh, because, you know, Biden as this master of the political dark arts of this five dimensional chess player, Mm -hmm. that's not how we think of Biden. And in fact, I went back to our amazing episode that we did during the Democratic primaries where we had an episode with our favorite Caitlin Bird to talk the amazing Caitlin Bird to talk about why like no Biden please no Biden and uh and we've talked about Biden over this time uh how have we seen Biden yeah I think revisiting this is a good place to start because then I want to talk about why this version this fantasy version of Biden is pleasurable and funny totally Generally speaking, the image that Biden has, his public image, is he's kind of a gaff-prone, essentially harmless. I guess if you're Republican, you don't think he's harmless. But we should say, like, uh, kind of uh, a, a little goofy. Yes. There's a little bit of the creepy uncle thing going on. Very yeah. handsy, very huggy, a hair sniffer. Uh, you know, that's something that he's he's very physically publicly affectionate and that has not always served him well and that has led to some very unpleasant accusations so even if you don't think the worst of the accusations are true there is this aura around him as a little handsy little creepy uncle joe yes um politically he's thought of as kind of like a non-entity we talked at length in our episode about politically why we object to him we found him or found him at the time anyway to be far too conservative, like centrist. His his image is centrist. The reason he was supposedly electable, and I guess the reason he was electable, was this. Even though I would like to say we said he was unelectable. We did, we did. <laughs> I will we'll get, get into, into that. that in a second. Um, but this this purported centrism is a major part of his image. We found that... Um, when you look into his record and, you know, there, there are a few good things in it, no doubt. Um, uh, the, the Violence Against Women Act, wasn't he? Huge. Yeah, instrumental in that. Mm-hmm. 
But he also voted for the Defense of Marriage Act. He voted for the crime bill. He talked about being against uh, busing in the 70s. Yeah, like... He he's had some good friends and political partnerships with people who are racists, who are flat out racists. And his whole thing is like, no, being in car, we're all supposed to be, you know, friends right. in the, the, the Senate. And it's like, yeah, Senate but, thing. yeah, it's like, yeah, those are those yeah, are racists. Those are big fucking big fat racists. Um, yeah, yeah, he was a piece of shit to Anita Hill. He voted for the Iraq War. I mean, yeah. yeah. And there was a way that that even as Obama's running mate, there was a sense that he was chosen as Obama's VP to be the kind of like white dad chaperone to this young, uh, energetic African-American candidate in a way that was like kind of gross, where you're like, oh, you can't elect Obama without some old white guy who's like, I'll make sure nothing gets too out of control here. Yeah, kind of similarly to how he was promising to um, escort Kamala Harris into the White House, you know, as white dad chaperone. Like, we're not going to just elect <sighs> Kamala Harris, but but with right. him right. as a ticket. Yeah. Yeah. And part of that white dad chaperone shit is his just milk toastness. His, his completely not leaving a strong impression anyway on you, unless maybe it's the impression of his palm on your ass. Right. Right. And that's part of why we felt like he was unelectable uh, without the incredible charisma and brilliance of Obama. Like without that halo of Obama, like who's ever going to vote for him? Nobody ever did. Nobody ever did. did. (laughs) He he ran for president multiple times, never went anywhere. Um, and, And I think that there's this way that he's standing in for this idea of like, the working class white American, mm-hmm. you know, and and it's like, dude, like that's kind of over. All those working class white people are Trumpists now. Mm-hmm. We're living in an increasingly multiracial society. We don't want the centrist guy that everybody thinks is safe. That's how we got John Kerry. So let us not do that again. Right. And I don't think that our analysis was wrong. It's just that we were in a very crazy time where, as we were saying, potted plant 2020. Exactly. (laughs) That's how we read the philosophy or the principle behind nominating Joe Biden was potted plant 2020. First, do no harm. We won't offend anyone. Well, this is as as middle of the road and inoffensive. Play it safe was the idea there. We felt like the moment called for something different, something that would energize Democrats, energize the base, uh, was something that the moment called for and that uh, Joe Biden would not live up to. So that's like the real Joe Biden. I do want to speak before we get to the actual dark Brandon meme. I want to take a little digression (laughs) to another Joe Biden, um, which was the Joe Biden of Obama's presidency as presented in The Onion. So during Obama's presidency, The Onion started doing these articles parroting Joe Biden as this, I mean, I didn't know this until we were preparing for the episode, but they were some of The Onion's most read articles during the Obama presidency were all about how they portrayed Joe Biden. Give us some examples. Read us some well, headlines. Well, okay. So I think the one that I remember the most is like Joe Biden is like washing his Thunderbird car with his shirt off in the like White <laughs> House driveway. Um, uh, 
shirtless Biden washes Trans Am in White House driveway. Like Biden without a shirt, wearing cutoff jeans, listening to rock and roll music. He hitchhikes to the Democratic National Convention. He's in Hennessy ads, Biden to honor fallen soldiers by jumping motorcycle over Vietnam Memorial. Biden receives lifetime ban from Dave and Buster's. <laughs> Biden says life better than it was four years ago, but nothing can touch summer of 87. Biden to cool his heels in Mexico for a while. Like there's this idea of Biden as this kind of like white trash. Right. Uh, they had don't, Biden. Don't, don't give a single fuck. They called yeah. him Di- Diamond Joe. Diamond Joe. Like the, this kind of particular flavor of like. Full hardcore cheesiness, like 80s, 80s cheesiness. There was one where they, they photoshopped like a ponytail on him <laughs> that actually looked like it belonged on him, I mean, really. Um, so there was this character of him as this kind of like, they went the other way, where it was like Biden, the serious chaperone. It's like, no, man, deep down, Biden is driving to Trans Am, drinking beers in Mexico, Right. Jumping a motorcycle over the Vietnam Memorial, like that's what Biden's doing. And people loved this idea. They ate this shit up. They ate this shit up. And um, it probably did more to endear Joe Biden to people than anything he ever did himself or said himself. Although if we want anything to endear him with, he is who who would get sent to the Senate for things like passing the Affordable Health Care Act. So like... Well, well, there's also, I mean, there's kind of a kernel of truth, right? Right. The idea is Diamond Joe, this portrayal of him is uh, the working class everyman who just wants to drink and party. And it's like, well, his image has always been working class Joe, regular guy Joe. And what do regular guys do? You know, they don't, in the fucking White House, they're drinking and partying with their buddies, right? Totally. So there's there's that like kind of kernel of truth. There's also the ways that Joe Biden, um, I think, I think it was Caitlin who told us this, or maybe it was you, that when he was asked to be Obama's running mate, he agreed on the condition that they would let Joe be Joe. Yes, I I shared the story because it's from the book Game Change, which okay. is about Obama's uh, first election, and Joe's whole thing was like. You don't mess with my brand. <laughs> yeah. So it's not like he's not aware of this brand. And and so much of the brand is like, I'm, I'm going to have this big fucking ice cream cone in front of my fucking face. And, and, and while I'm taking the Amtrak train from Delaware, right, ladies and gentlemen. Right. Yeah. It's, that, that is his image. And it's an, it, it is a deliberately unpolished presentation of himself yes and so that's the kernel of truth in the diamond joe onion characterization it's like taking the unpolished idea to its extreme yes and and i want to say there is another way that at the same moment uh around this time there was this thing for a tumblr for a while called text from hillary clinton Mm -hmm. where it was a bunch of memes of hillary clinton you know sitting on her big Air Force, whatever, that she took around as Secretary of State, being a total bitch badass, being a total fucking boss bitch. It came from this, like, one photograph of her looking at her phone wearing sunglasses. Like, inside wearing the sunglasses. Just looking like a boss bitch. And 
people ran with it and yes and that did more to endear people to hillary <laughs> than because it was like finally people were seeing hillary for hillary everybody's always making hillary out to be like she's either evil or mm-hmm. she's or she's this like i don't know i mean i'm going to vote for her but you know it's not like i like her and it's like no can we acknowledge her for what she is she's a boss bitch yeah. and people were so happy about it they were so like oh finally finally and somebody yes the joke in the, in that case a lot of the the humor came from the contrast of uh, having hillary using contemporary slang and being edgy where we all know she's kind of a fuddy daddy she's a she's boomer. a fuddy daddy and she's a boomer and she's also so so careful that we exactly. never feel like we get to know her. Exactly. And that's why people don't trust her because right. she's learned to have to be so careful because people have been so horrible <laughs> that <laughs> she then that. comes across <laughs> as being untrustworthy because exactly. she's hiding who she really is. So we like to feel like who she really is, is this fucking stone cold bitch who's right. like unapologetic it's, about it. It's related. There's the kernel of truth of like, we actually know Hillary's very competent and capable person and has worked hard to be and is entitled to be and that's the kernel of truth in those memes and then the humor is the exaggeration of that is her using edgy slang that she wouldn't really know because she's a grandma and her having tons of personality when in reality she's only able to present herself well she's never able to present herself in a way that uh, is easy to warm up to that's right that's right so so here's the thing. So we just talked about the truth that we've seen from Biden's actual record and the kernel of truth in his in the in his sort of onion presentation. Um, so then what about the what is the kernel of truth in Dark Brandon? Like, why is it so fucking isn't the whole point of what makes it funny that it's in contrast to who he is? Because the whole thing about the onion version is that Biden is kind of like a bumbling you know, mm-hmm. rough, mm-hmm. Di- you know, Diamond Joe, cheesy in the bars with, you know, sawdust on the floors and peanuts, like mm-hmm. listening to, you know, rock music from the early 80s. Like that's... But there's there's contrast there with, we actually know he's a family man and an old fellow and he's, you know, not right. really doing stuff like that. Though we like to believe that in his heart, he wishes he could. <laughs> So there's a lot going on with the dark Brandon meme. There is a similarity. Okay, a lot of the humor comes from the contrast. He is a centrist. He is kind of milk toast. Unlike the former guy, he's not this like blustering, braggadocious, loud person in any way. He he's, does not trumpet his own achievements at yeah, all. He's no more super- than is pretty typical for a politician at best. Right. right. Um, yeah, he's not a boaster or anything like that. And he's he's like so the opposite of any kind of tyrant or or overlord. He's an institutionalist. His whole yes. thing, his whole brand is yes. collegiality. We're yeah. going to work together. We're going to compromise. Yeah. Like he really believes in that shit. Yes. yes. So there is a lot of humor in that contrast. And also he's just he's elder and he's you know, not physically strong, you know? Right, So right. you portray him as being 
physically powerful as being ruthless and all powerful and controlling everything autocratic autocratic exactly and and it's just humorous because it is so far from the truth that's true um it's also funny well it's made more funny by the fact that all those things that the meme would say he is are what trump followers actually believe of trump and like about him Right. That's where it gets kind of interesting. Okay, so basically it's a it's a parody of of Trump of the fantasy of what Trump is. That even though Trump is actually this kind of fat, cowardly, kind of monstrously temper tantrumy, like childish, all all of these things. His followers want to believe that he's this strong, autocratic, badass, like yeah, that's he, what he is. Hyper-masculine. There's actually yes. a really nice quotation here. Miles um, Clay in Mel Magazine was writing about the meme. And he said, if the cultish devotion that swirled around Trump cast him as a hyper-competent, ultra-patriotic, alpha male negotiator who destroyed agents of liberalism almost as an afterthought, Dark Brandon brings the totalitarianism to the fore, skewering Republican notions that Biden is some dangerous ideological strongman. Right. And and that's right. part of it too is it it's making fun of what they say about Biden. Right. In MAGA world, in Trump world, Biden is simultaneously this sort of like weak, pathetic, doddering old man who's got dementia doesn't know where he is, can't read his own teleprompters. But at the same time, he's like forcing through his agenda. Right. He, there's no negotiation. Well, also, My he, way or stole, the he stole the election. I mean, he stole the election. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's, it might not, it might not be his agenda. It might be AOC's agenda, obviously. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. The of far course. left who are, who are forcing him to uh, push through their ideals. But regardless, Despite suffering from dementia and being completely hapless in every way, he's also incredibly effective in forcing through that agenda against the people's will. Yes, yes. Which again brings us back to Hillary. Like either she is a total leftist murderer or she's just a centrist institutionalist like monster. And that was always the thing. Like she can't be both she guys. She can't be both. She can't but she is be both. both guys. But but she is both. And and Biden is both. I mean, similarly, Trump is like strong and ultra powerful and competent and capable, but also he's perpetually persecuted and yes. always a victim. Yes. Yes. He won the election. But yes. yet he's not president. <laughs> yes. And those things can both be true. Right. And, and I think this meme, the Dark Brandon meme, kind of makes fun of that in a way. I I don't think this is what people are consciously thinking about when they're posting these and reposting them. But I think there's this element of like making fun of that kind of like perverse version of double consciousness that MAGA people walk around with. That right. That whole, my enemies are so powerful um, and also so weak and pathetic. I am so powerful, but I am constantly a victim. So it's like, here, this milk toast, middle of the road centrist, white dad chaperone guy that nobody thinks about, nobody has a passion about one way or the other. We think he's going to rise 
like a fucking supernatural being and shoot lightning from his fingertips yes. and destroy all <laughs> of you. Ha ha. Like, well, so there's, there's that. Yes, there is that. There is that. And that's why it's hilarious. But it only becomes hilarious when he's actually, like, killing it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, and I think it's interesting that the Democrat, the Democratic operatives or his staff is starting to take it on as he's starting to rack up successes. Mm-hmm. Biden is starting to rack up these accomplishments. And if you just say, look at all this stuff Biden is doing, no one's going to listen to you. But if you make it about dark Brandon... It gives people sort of an image to anchor all of these like pretty drastic accomplishments onto, which is really interesting. I I thought this was interesting. Um, In a Daily Beast piece that I was reading about this, they said that a Democratic operative who worked for another campaign than Biden's pointed out to them that Biden never had a breakout online moment during Mm. the campaign. Mm -hmm. And they quote this person as saying, it was all about beating Trump, not loving Biden. So uh, the Biden campaign very deliberately like didn't pay that much attention to Twitter. They were like, Twitter is not real life. That was their whole philosophy. And the first, I don't know, couple years now, year and a half of the Biden administration has really sort of followed that. Like, we're going to sit here. We're going to put our heads down. We're going to do our jobs. We're going to do, do our fucking, our fucking job. <laughs> we're yes. just going to do it. And I was grateful enough for that. I think we've talked about it a little bit. It's just like after the tumult and yes. the fucking constant yes. reality show drama yes. of the and, Trump and years. And the tweets. And, and yeah, the tweets. And that part yeah. of it. Yeah, oh, that, that was a big part of it. And it's so nice to just have like oh, I'm not hearing anything from the White House or hearing about the White House. I have to look for that information. That's nice. Like, that's nice. They're just fucking doing their jobs, and that's fine. But in deliberately deciding to lean into this, it seems like his press people have decided to seize this moment to actually move from, like, that it was all about beating Trump, not loving Biden, to maybe, like, let's get some excitement around Biden. Let's get people to actually notice him, think about what he's doing. And it's a kind of a fun, ironic way to trump up what he's doing without having him tweet about all his fucking accomplishments or stand at a podium and talk about how great he is and how he's the greatest ever. Well, because also if he does that, again, no one's going to listen. No one's going to listen to old gaffy Biden talking about all the stuff he's done. No one. Right. Like, that's well, not going mean, to read. That's something that we actually have learned from the far right, which is the power of memes. <laughs> and the power of spectacle. Yeah. 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 Very much One so. One point that you, you wrote down that I want to make sure we make, and this mm-hmm. was Rebecca's idea, not mine, but I want to make sure, is like the way that these memes are, and I'm quoting her here, an honest celebration of actually being able to accomplish anything in this environment. (laughs) And I feel like that's true. Like it feels so impossible to get anything done, to break any kind of stalemate, to make any fucking thing happen in the middle of this this incredibly deadlocked, uh, uh, hostile, feeling on the verge of a civil war environment, that it feels like, only something this big, like a guy shooting lasers out of his eyes, can convey how it must feel to have these policy achievements. Yeah, yeah well, these 
memes, they're very interesting to me. And what I love about them is how they exist on all these different levels, as memes do. And we talked about this with alt-right memes ages ago. We did some episodes on the alt-right and all of that stuff. And we talked about how memes allow the very far right, which is now the mainstream right. I don't know why we've been characterizing it as very far right. <sighs> but it allows like the Trumpists and, the, and all those people, the QAnoners, to present ideas um but not have to claim them you know to to say it's a joke it's a meme can't you laugh at a fucking meme but then they're also putting out this idea of hillary clinton is sex trafficking children or something yes. like that right right uh, it's both it's an accusation and it's a joke it's a meme it's whatever you want it to be it's all things to all people and nothing to anyone right. that's the beauty of memes and that's so much what is happening here you have a situation where uh, when you share a dark Brandon meme, you know, maybe you're making fun of Republicans, but maybe you're making fun of the very idea that he could be so powerful and effective. But also at the same exact time, you're celebrating how effective he's been. Yeah. Both things are happening at the same time. Well, it's the same. We did a whole episode on the Bernie memes that exploded yeah. after the like, yeah, yeah, that was also operating like we love Bernie. He's a cranky old man. He can go anywhere. He can't really go anywhere. He's always yeah. going to be just sitting there with his like, yeah, right. it, it's similar. Absolutely. And um, I do think, yeah, there's this pent up feeling of like just wanting to celebrate, just wanting to be able to kind of say, nah, 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 like, we did it, fuck you. And and it's all such relatively mild stuff. These accomplishments are lovely. They are not the coming, the next coming of Marx and Engels. It, this is not the socialist revolution. Nothing has really changed. We, we got a nice uh, bill, a budget bill through that it actually it does do more for climate legislation and provide more funding for anti-climate change measures than any legislation that's ever happened. Well, but also even just a budget that's responding to things that need to be responded to seemed impossible. And I actually want to talk about that. And I think we need to take a moment to stop and actually talk about how Dark Brandon has risen. start with the passage of the IRA because uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, because, you know, part of the bullshit thing was that they weren't going to call it Build Back Better because that's what Biden ran under. So they had to call it something else and whatever. Okay, here's what I want to talk about, which is the dark Brandon moment, which is that I was actually in real despair. They had not done anything. Manchin wasn't moving on climate change. Manchin and cinema were out of it. The bill was dead and everybody went home for vacation. Mm -hmm. And McConnell, there's this bipartisan bill called the CHIPS bill to bring uh, high tech production to the U.S., and McConnell was like, and it's a bipartisan, I mean, the, it's a big bipartisan bill. But McConnell was like, as long as you guys are going to affect a budget using reconciliation, I'm not going to vote for that bill. So Joe Manchin was like, fine, I'm not voting for that bill. And everyone went home, whatever. They passed the bipartisan chips bill. Everyone went home. McConnell got to be an obstructionist. Nothing is done on climate. And another year is going to happen. They passed the chips bill. 
And then Manchin comes back and is like, just kidding, guys. And they fucking push this huge monster of a bill through Congress. Yes. And it was such a fucking gotcha, fuck you, suck my dick moment. And you know, you know that Schumer and Biden and Manchin were like, all right, guys, it was strategic and tricky and fucking fabulous. And <laughs> and that was a giant, dark, Brandon rising moment. We're going to be the obstruction. Like, we're going to make shit happen. We'll play along with you. And then we will humiliate you, Mitch McConnell, in addition to passing a very good bill. Yeah. So that is that was a huge dark Brandon Rises moment. Absolutely. And Schadenfreude is such a key part of the pleasure of the dark Brandon huge. concept, right? It, it is so much just like, yes, we want to celebrate these accomplishments that are actually worth celebrating, but also we want to rub it in your fucking face. Yes. After, after what you've done and not just what you've done, but the structure you've set up so that the Congress can't just go through its basic business. We right. can't even do what we're here to do. Just the basic functions. The yeah. basic function. You've made the basic function of government fucking impossible for years. So you you sign the largest tax cut for billionaire. Yeah, like it's been hard. So yes. When we trick you into doing something and then like pass it and just like dance on your fucking yeah 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 yes. exactly correct <laughs> exactly and I think what you said earlier is key it, that is the kind of accomplishment that doesn't necessarily like resonate with the American public you know it may not go appreciated fully for what it is so you turn it into a meme where the president is. Um, the president's, which one that I saw, the president's robot army going after Mitch McConnell. There you go. There you go. Now we know that he did something powerful. So another moment like that is after all of this quiet, Joe Biden presented a jobs report where this administration has added 568,000 jobs to the economy, mm -hmm. which is like an insane number of jobs. If he had added 100,000 jobs, people would have been like, good month. But he added almost six times that. So yes, dark brand and rising. And again, it's something where it's like the, the bigness of that in some ways can only be communicated with something like because we don't have any context for that information. Yeah. And of course, one of the really big events that really fits into the dark brand and persona beautifully is the assassination of Ayman al-Zawari. Am I saying that correctly? Yes. Um, the leader of al-Qaeda, the former leader of al-Qaeda now, <laughs> um, killed in a drone strike, which is like, look, I have many feelings about <laughs> the use of drones, um, assassinations, <laughs> terrorism, and how to deal with it. I don't celebrate this. I sort of don't know enough about the actual tactical situation to be able to say if this assassination actually makes anyone safer or does anything right. uh, that is that is strategically helpful to us. I don't even know. Right. It doesn't make me feel like warm and fuzzy inside, but it is pleasurable to celebrate it publicly just because it is Biden being effective at something that Trump never did. 
That's right. That's right. So then these big events, like this kind of flip on McConnell to pass this major bill, uh, adding all of these hundreds of thousands of jobs, killing the emir of al-Qaeda, all of that then all of a sudden provides context to some other legit accomplishments, like putting Ketanji Brown-Jackson on the fucking court. And this is something that I've tried to say before, but like Biden is putting more progressive people of color on the court in lifetime appointments than we have seen ever. He's putting former federal public defenders on the court. Like you have never seen this union lawyers, like mm-hmm. people from labor backgrounds. He's he's nominating a woman who represented like pro-abortion forces in like Supreme Court cases. He is putting women and people of color on the court in numbers that are undeniable. So that's something that he has been doing for two years and doesn't crow about, but then it adds this kind of shine to it. Um, He just signed to allow Finland and Sweden to join NATO. Uh, Gas prices are plummeting. Uh, Not that Biden has anything to do with gas prices, really, uh, but it's just something, number one, that you can rub in the faces of the MAGA people because that's what they've been bleeding about for months and months because it's their main criticism is like oh gas prices are so high as if that were his fault so it's like well if you're gonna say that's his fault then we're gonna say this is his responsibility too when they go back down that's right that's right and actually and that's the thing is that the stark brandon character in the same way that trump tried to own everything by this outsized persona Mm -hmm. this gets to be this outside persona that gets to tingle in some of the reflected glory of things that he has nothing to do with for instance like the fbi raiding mar-a-lago which is a big motherfucking deal and i want to have a side note to say like dark merrick garland People have been bitching about Merrick Garland for almost two years because he's so cautious and so quiet. Like, you have to remember when Merrick Garland was nominated by Obama, it's because he was such an inoffensive pick. Right. So Merrick Garland gets put in the position of AG and you feel like he is so hamstrung by what happened to him politically that he can never make any move without it being blamed as being personal. So, and you put this cautious, quiet technocrat in the job of AG when there's this big of a mess to fucking clean up, really? (laughs) And what you don't realize is that, boom, then when he signs off on a search warrant at Mar-a-Lago, it's because you know they have the goods. Because they, he would never, ever sign off on something like that if there was any air, if there was right. a pocket of air. Yeah, it, it, and it's not just that it, it has to be so clean uh, to remove any doubt uh, of his motivations, but also these people are institutionalists. Yes. You know, he is, Merrick Garland is an institutionalist. Biden yes. is an institutionalist. And, and they understand the importance of protecting the institutions that they work for. Yes. By keeping them apolitical. Like, yes. For better or worse. Like, and it's mostly been for worse. Yes. Because I think Trump's 
followers, his believers, probably think that the reason he can't get pinned down and isn't in prison now or never got impeached or whatever, they think the reason is that he's like Teflon, that that he somehow can always beat the rap either because he never did anything wrong or because he's just that good. None of that is true. The thing that's been protecting Trump has been these institutionalists, has been Merrick Garland and, and, and Mullers and all of these people treading so lightly because of the implications of bringing out all your guns against a sitting or former president of the United States. That's right. They're being right. super circumspect because they care about that. Not about him, but about the office of the presidency and the precedent they might be setting and all of that shit. So for Merrick Garland to approve this raid, for the federal judge who approved the warrant to approve it, like, you know there was a high standard. Yes, they the not, highest. They're not going to let this happen. They're not going to have this happen and then walk away saying they didn't find anything or walk, you know, have just sort of some or, or have something peanuts. slip out on a little technicality like they're yeah. going to be damn sure. And I think that that's uh, in terms of other sort of feelings of reflected glory that the dark Brandon meme can contain, because they're just things that we've been waiting for. That I feel like like right, we've been right. waiting for. So we've been waiting for something like Marla. It just felt like it just happened yesterday. It feels like it can't be real. It's, it's so yeah. like it's too great. <laughs> my right. my best my best friend yesterday, she said that her husband like turned on the TV just singing to himself, MSNBC, like tonight <laughs> I'm watching Rachel Maddow. Right. Like this is right. a Rachel Maddow night. Um and but similarly, the DOJ is famously separate from the administration, right? Right. And the January 6th committee is run by the House. It is separate from Biden. But I feel like the dark Brandon meme is like a bucket to fill in that reflected glory as well. So like you have the January 6th committee doing all this amazing work. And after everybody being like, Merrick Garland isn't doing shit this summer, the DOJ is like, oh, yeah, we are. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're working on this shit. <laughs> Don't you worry. We're working on this shit. We're just being extra cautious. And so that sort of adds to this feeling of momentum. And I feel like that's something that this meme captures. I think captures. you mean Joe-mentum? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, you set it up. You uh, set it up. But I also think that that Biden is going to benefit and this character is going to benefit from the reflected rage over the overturn of Roe v. Wade. Because I think what we're talking about right now is the midterms. Yeah. And I think a, a lot of it does go back to um, the, the way that beams sort of vibrate with multiple meetings at the same time. We all recognize that the DOJ is separate from the White House. And yes. we believe when the White House says that Biden was not aware, did not even know that this search warrant was going to be executed. Yes. I have no reason to doubt that. But the right would have me believe that this is all a political witch hunt orchestrated yes. by, I don't know, the deep state, whoever that is, whether yeah. it's Biden himself or him in some committee. I don't fucking know. Oh, my God. But, it's like where the deep state is the only thing that's been protecting Trump right. and all of his crimes. Ugh. Exactly. Um, so 
it's almost a response to that. Like, if the right is going to say, if Trump is going to say, this is a political targeting from the left, then you're like, yeah, fuck you, you're getting targeted. Like, yep. he's going to say, this is the administration using their power to attack me, because that's what he would want to do if he could. Then you're like, yeah, Dark Brandon. That's right. Dark Brandon's that's behind right. it all. Blah. He's rising, <laughs> rising. Dark Brandon's Lasers rising. out of his eyes. Absolutely. It's all part of the plan, as it's some part people the pl- like Yes, say. yes. Well, listeners, Dark Brandon rises. I actually, we have so many of our wonderful patrons and listeners who are uh, cartoonists and who are illustrators. I think maybe it would be wonderful if they gave us some of their versions of Dark Brandon. Like a Dark Brandon fan art collection. Yes. We would love to see your submissions of dark branded fan art or if you're not an illustrator or an artist make a meme you know right so send them to us we'd love to see or just your favorite ones that you found yes and uh, let us know why you think dark brandon is striking such a chord with people do you think it's a good thing uh is it a bad thing for the left to appropriate the rights dark MAGA imagery and ideas? Is it a parody? Is it actually a celebration? Is it all those things? Or is it just fucking effective comms where finally the Democrats have figured something out for like a hot second? I mean, this is something that we've been talking about. Like, I remember with Trump, the idea was like, we memed this guy into office. And I feel like the use of spectacle and the use of play is something that has not been a strong suit. Uh, So is this something that we can see going further? And you can reach us by email. We are saucepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on the socials at saucepodcast. And of course, you can come onto the Sauce Speakeasy, our Discord chat. All you've got to do is go to patreon.com slash saucepodcast. And uh, you can find me at Maya Garantz, anywhere you're looking for Maya Garantz's. And if you happen to be in northern rural Georgia, uh, <laughs> you know, just uh, hit me up. Let me know. And uh, yeah. We'll go. We'll go have some coffee. We'll go have some coffee. It'll be great. You can find me as at Gynostar on all the various platforms. Remember that we are continuing our problematic faves series. So if you have faves that you would like us to ruin as you are realizing how problematic they are, let us know. We look forward to hearing from you. Adios, amoebas. <laughs>